right, all right. Good morning, good morning. Would you stand with us? Converge this morning. So happy to see everybody. Beautiful, beautiful. Y'all make your way in. About to start worship. Praise God, amen. Let's do this. When night has fallen, when fear is coming, still you're calling me. My faith is lost and my hope exhausted. You will be my strength. When my mind says I'm not good enough, God, you're enough for me. I've decided I'm not giving up. Cause you won't give up on me. You won't give up on me. Your love is so long and it won't let go. I feel it breaking out like an echo. Your love is holding on and it won't let go. to me come on now there's no stopping what you have started until it is complete when my mind says I'm not good enough God you're enough for me yeah I decided I'm not giving up you won't give up on me you won't give up on me
have to wait till the battle's over I can shout now I don't have to wait till the battle's over I can shout now I don't have to wait till the battle's over I can shout now Standing here, not knowing how we get through this time, but holding on to faith, you know best, and nothing can catch you by surprise. You got this figured out, and you're watching us now, and when it looks Certain love in mercy. 
When our back was against the wall And it looked as if it was over Lord, you, you made a way And we're standing here Only because you've made Thank you, Father We're standing here Only because you've made Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And my best pastor, Jesse, impersonation. We welcome you to Converge Live, our in-person worship experience. Thank you to our in-person family and friends, to Converge Nation for joining us today. And if this is your first time here in person worshiping with us, thank you so much for choosing to spend a portion of the day with us to celebrate your first time. We just ask that you would stop by the Welcome Center at the end of worship and connect with our pastors. We also have a small gift for you. It's a token of appreciation and just our way of saying thank you so much for choosing to be here with us today. We also want to make you aware of some great things and amazing things that are happening here at Converge Church. And we know that you guys get the weekly email updates, but truly the best way for you guys to stay connected and in the loop, the quickest way to get the most recent updates is to connect with us on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at We Are Converge, and you can find us on TikTok at Converge Church. So we wanna let you know some of the good things that are happening during the month of August. The first being, if you've been joining us for a little bit and you're interested maybe in serving or learning a bit more about some of the serve teams that we have, we do have opportunities on our Usher Greeter team and on our guest services team. You can connect with Dalvin and Shelly Ford, our Usher Greeter team leads, immediately after worship over by the Welcome Center. And you can connect with Wilhelmina Johnson, our guest services team lead, by the merch table at the end of service. Just connect with them, ask some questions, see what it looks like to serve alongside us here at Converge. We also want to make you aware, and we are super excited to say that Converge Students is back. Yes. Yes, so if you have a mid-high 6th to 8th grade student 
or a high school student, ninth to 12th grade, bring them over to the rail. Converge students will be meeting every second and fourth, uh, second and fourth Sunday of each month. We're asking all parents of our sixth through 12th grade students to connect with our student ministry team. At the end of worship over in the rail, our leaders just want to introduce themselves to you, be available to answer any questions that you might have, and also just make you aware of some of the great things that we have planned for your students right here at Converge. In case you didn't notice, I'm dressed a little differently today. I don't have on my typical Converge merch. We are in the midst of Sunday fun days, and today is Decade Sunday. Who says you cannot go to church and have fun too? So we do have some people decked out, and we saw y'all when y'all were coming in. Everybody looks great. We want to make you aware that next Sunday is Hometown Sunday. So come repping where you grew up, where you call home in your best gear, whatever that looks like. Come ready to have fun with us. We also want to make you aware that we do have some great merch available. We've got some Holy Spirit Activate t-shirts in a new color. You might have seen our pastors repping it last weekend. Um, at the back to school um, outreach, but we also have some journals. We have a Holy Spirit Today mini book, and we also have the traditional other clothing items that we have, mugs and tumblers and such. So if you'd like to see what we have available, stop by the merch table in the lobby after service, or for our Converge Nation friends and family, you can visit us at store.weareconverge.com. Amen. Amen. All right. So this is our opportunity as we move into the blessed life portion of our service to partner financially with Converge to help move forward the vision and the mission that God has given us. If you'd like to do that, yes, I am always excited to give. So I'm happy to hear some of you are out there as well. If you'd like to partner with us financially, we do have multiple ways. The first is right here in person. Our ushers are in the aisles. They have envelopes and ink pens. If you need one, raise your hand. We just ask that you would fill out those details in its entirety so that we can properly record and account for your giving. You can give online safely and securely by visiting us at www, say that three times fast, dot weareconverge.com forward slash give. You can give by mail. You can give by Zelle. By Zelle. You can also text Converge Give along with a dollar amount to 77977. You guys, we appreciate your generosity. We appreciate your financial partnership. We appreciate everything that you guys do to help make life-giving ministry happen right here at Converge Church. Let us say a quick word of prayer. Father God, we thank you that you are our source. We thank you that every good and perfect gift, even financial gifts, comes from you, our Father in heaven. We thank you, Father, that you have made provision, that you are our source, and that you are helping to make it happen, but that you have blessed people to bless us and to help partner with us to make the ministry and the vision that you've given us come to life here at Converge. We thank you for every family, every household, every person that has sown into this kingdom, got into this ministry, that we may do your kingdom work and we thank you for every hand and heart that has a desire to give but may not be in a position to do that just yet Lord we love you we honor you we adore you and we appreciate everything that you're doing through us it's only because of you and it's all to lift you up that we may do what you have called us to do it is in Jesus name that we pray amen thank you guys so much for your attention enjoy the rest of the worship experience
we love you, we honor you, and we give you glory for everything that this day represents. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity and the awesome privilege to serve your people. Father, your word says, show me your faith by your works. So, Father, it's one thing for us to say we believe, but, Father, it's something entirely different and better to demonstrate what we believe. Father, today, we choose to assume the posture of being the hands and feet of Jesus extended to our community. Father, help us to love the people well. Help us to serve them well. Help us to restore dignity. Father, the word says that you are our glory and the lifter of our heads. So today, Father, with what we give, whether it's diapers or a backpack, whether it's school supplies or toys, Father, we thank you for these acts of generosity. We are lifting the heads of your people, restoring dignity, and serving them in their time of that's right, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus.
and amen. Wasn't that awesome to see all that we accomplished just two weeks ago because of your extravagant generosity? Uh, it's always been the posture of our hearts uh, to serve our city and to serve our world. And we've always wanted to be the kind of church that went beyond just what happened on Sunday mornings. And because of our collective generosity and because of our partnership with uh, great churches and amazing organizations right here in our city, uh, we were able to host our very first outreach to the community. And it was a resounding success. Give yourselves one more big round of applause and God bless you. You may not be in the building this morning. You may be watching online. You may have given uh, uh, virtually. Uh, you may have been here to serve. You may have given in person. Uh, every gift and every moment that you spent serving someone else uh, made a difference. So we want to say thank you to all of our amazing, amazing volunteers. I see Sabrina here. Uh, thank you so much for coming out to serve and everyone else who was, who was here uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Now, I'd like to say that this is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, our goal... Uh, was to, to distribute uh, 500 pre-assembled backpacks with school supplies. On the day of the event, uh, we passed out 425. The cool thing is uh, that to date, to date, we continue to give out backpacks because people heard about the outreach for one reason or the other. They couldn't be here, and they've been coming in uh, to the church uh, and asking if we had more backpacks. I think one of the coolest stories is the fact that one of our members is a PK. He's a preacher's kid. His dad pastors in West Texas, and, uh, and his dad heard about it, and we were able to send, I think, 20 or 25 backpacks to an amazing church in West Texas. Come on, somebody. It is because of your generosity. And listen, listen, this is the first of many. We've only just begun. And that's one of the reasons we ended the video with James chapter 2, uh, because God invites us, in fact, God commands us to demonstrate our faith by our works. And that's what we had an opportunity to do just a few weeks ago. Listen, if you know someone, if you know someone who may have a need uh, for some supplies or they may have other uh, material needs, just let us know. Send us an email to benevolence at weareconverge.com. And to the extent that we can, we want to step in and serve them and love them. And this is why we say this too is the gospel. Jesus said it this way. Uh, if, you, if you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, listen, you've done it unto me. And every time we show an act of kindness to someone in need, it's as if we did it for Jesus himself. It's a big, big deal for us, and that's why from day one, from day one, we've, we've said that as a church, we're going to lead with an open hand, not a clenched fist. Amen? So thank you for making life-giving ministry possible here at Converge, and thank you for your extravagant generosity. Listen, uh, you're probably wondering if it's your first time here why, why I'm dressed like this, and uh, it's not typical. Uh, well, hold on. It might be. <laughs> it might be. Uh, it might be typical. But listen, uh, we believe that when, as you build authentic community, that church should be a place where people can come and laugh. Amen? In fact, the writer of Proverbs, the wisest man who ever lived, said it this way, laughter doeth good like a medicine. Laughter is health. It's a healing balm 
for the soul. So as we build community, as we build community, one of the things that we're going to be intentional about is creating opportunities for us to laugh together. Are y'all with me? Sometimes we think that, you know, the more serious we are, the more godly we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we take pride in our pharisaical disposition. Jesus pushed back against that. He pushed back against religion because religion was the thing that separated people from God. So look at your neighbor and say this after me. This could be the day that you get your pharisectomy. Come on, somebody. I set y'all up with that one. Listen, if you're a Pharisee, you're in a good place today because we go go in and take all that religious stuff out so that you can experience what it looks like to live and to walk in relationship with Jesus. And what relationship is, is not man attempting to reach God in their own effort. That's religion. That's religion that says you need to pray Six times a day, facing a certain direction, no shade, in order to please and appease God. Relationship says, listen, there's absolutely nothing you can do to satisfy my wrath because of your sin. So I'm going to come down and make it right. Are y'all with me? That's the God we serve. Amen? So that's why I'm dressed like this. But before I get into the message, because I... I've been guilty of doing this before, and I don't want to do it again. But listen, um, I saw y'all walk in, and it's always fun, you know, when people participate in these, you know, special themes and events that we do. And this one was a tough one. I usually don't make the decision. I always have spotters, right? Because pastor, I don't want to incur the wrath of the congregation. Because <laughs> somebody going to say, pastor, I should have won this thing. But this one, I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to pick our winner today. And listen, everybody, listen, we do have a prize for the winner. And uh, so, Don King, why don't you make your way to the stage? As she slips her afro back on, somebody, come on! <laughs> she was trying to be slick with it, but she slipped it back on. Don King, why don't you come on down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Show her love. As she comes, Don went all the way in. Come on, come on. Let's help her up. <laughs> when she walked in, man, I was so happy. I was so excited. I just started laughing. Oh, one, one more time for Don King. Come on, somebody. You got to face the people. All right. What decade are you representing? Only the 70s. Only the 70s. Come on, somebody. So I have, I have four gift cards here. And uh, so uh, uh, they're all to different restaurants except for one. One is an Amazon gift card. But you've got Bonefish Grill, Carabas, Cold Stone Creamery, Flemings, Outback Steakhouse, and Top Golf. You got Cheesecake Factory, Cracker Barrel, Panera Bread, Lob Red Lobster. You've got Longhorn Steakhouse, Olive Garden Cheddar, Season 52, Bahama Breeze. You get first dibs. You get to pick which one of these four cards you would like. <laughs> she said, that's tough. Sister love to eat.
you'll take your mom out to eat. Fantastic. Congratulations, and thank you for being our Decades winner today, representing the awesome 1970s Dawn King. Everybody, now listen, listen, listen. This was a tough one, and I would be remiss, uh, uh, but this goes beyond just honorable mention. I got to give some props, y'all. I got to give some props because they made it a family affair. Let's show our love for Dexter and Andrea Jackson. Why don't you come on up? Dexter and Andrea Jackson, both of y'all. And you ought to see their son, Marcus. Marcus, he went all the way to the 20s and 30s. He's dressed up as a Chicago gangster, mafia, Al Capone, and they went all in. Let's show our love one more time for Dexter and Andrea Jackson. Amen. All right. Same spiel. You got Amazon, and then you got these two other restaurant cards, Cheesecake Factory, Cracker Barrel, all that good stuff. Olive Garden. <laughs> I love it. He, he went all in. There you go. Somebody needs to take a picture of that. That was beautiful. All righty. You'll do Amazon. You like Amazon, you can find everything on Amazon. Absolutely, fantastic. And tell us, what mighty decade are you representing? I know, but... The 80s. The 80s, come on somebody. The rad 80s. The rad 80s. I know, right? She got the leg warmers and everything. Awesome, awesome. I'm representing the 80s as well, and uh, one of my favorite decades. Thank you guys so much for playing along and being a part of Sunday, Fun Day's Decade Sunday. Uh, so this, uh, this morning was kind of tricky for me uh, because uh, I, too, uh, went to Amazon to order my gear for Decade Sunday, and uh, Amazon didn't come through. Uh, and uh, and I, so I had to throw this together. Listen, y'all, I ordered. Come on, I'm going to test y'all to see how 80s you are. Y'all ready for this? I ordered a members-only jacket. What y'all know about members-only? Order a members-only jacket. I got a, uh, 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 I love the 80s t-shirt. And I went looking. It was too late, but I almost, almost, almost got me a swatch. Come on. Y'all know, know what time it is if you had a swatch in the 80s. Now, if you didn't have a swatch, right, if you didn't have a swatch, then maybe you had the Casio with the calculator on it. And it, say again. You know, so, so they, I went online and I looked for the Jordache jeans. They didn't have any in my size. And I was looking for some Gloria Vanderbilts for Pastor Wendy too. Come on, somebody. I'm taking y'all all the way back. Now, if you were in middle school or elementary or even in high school and you were really cool, I almost ordered Levi a trapper keeper. Look at y'all. Look at y'all. Sunday fun days. But listen, let me tell you what. I went online to order very, the very first thing I wanted to order, and they were out of stock. If you're really from the 80s, you, you know what time it is. Y'all ready for this? I went in there and did a Google search for Gordon Gottrell. Come on, if you watched the Cosby show in the 80s, you remember the Gordon Gottrell. Uh, 
Some of y'all don't know that reference, but that's all right. Go online. <laughs> but if you're really from the 80s, you know that Gordon Cottrell. Come on, somebody. Amen. All righty. So here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to step out of character back to Pastor Ray. And uh, uh, here we are as we begin a brand new sermon series, a brand new sermon series today that we're calling God on Film. Let's pray and we will dive into today's message together. Dexter, can you hold this for me? Seemed like I had a lot of stuff up here with me. Actually, can you hold this as well? All right, fantastic. All righty, let's do this. Let's pray and we'll dive into today's message together. Father, we love you. We honor and we thank you, God, for your faithfulness, your goodness, your kindness, and your love. Father, this morning we approach your, your word with great curiosity, but also with tremendous reverence. God, we need a word from you, and we believe that this morning, this moment, you will speak to us as only you can. Father, I ask you to make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer, and I ask you also to give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and the will the courage to do what you've said in your word. For it is in the doing of your word, not in the hearing only, but in the doing of your word, that our lives are transformed for the better. We trust you to do that now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Listen, it is week one of God on Film, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the premise of the series shortly, but if I had to choose a title for today's message and, and to give you a little bit of background and where I'm going to draw inspiration from, it is from a classic Disney movie called Finding Nemo. I think that God wants three words to resonate in our hearts this morning, uh, no matter where you find yourself. In fact, it's interesting, and I'm just going to be vulnerable and transparent with you. I've had a lot of stuff on my mind lately. I've been carrying a lot of stuff, and I know intuitively I'm supposed to cast all my burdens on the Lord. Uh, but sometimes it's like <laughs> you give it to God, <laughs> and then you take it back. <laughs> it's kind of where I've been. And when I'm in that place, one of the patterns in my life is... Uh, my sleep rhythm is way off. And so I've been having some weird uh, early mornings and late, late nights. And I still remember it was probably about Tuesday of last week. And it was some ungodly hour, for lack of a better phrase, somewhere between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. that I woke up and I was wide awake like wide awake, and I had some questions for God. And it seems that in response to my questions of God, he gave me an answer, and it wasn't an answer from the pages of Scripture. It was one line from the movie, Finding Nemo. I don't know about you, God doesn't always speak to me in King James. Come on, somebody. If you're listening, God will often speak to you in a language that you can understand, that you can comprehend, that resonates with you. And in that moment, God spoke peace 
listen to me, he spoke peace to my anxiety with three words that Dory spoke to Marlon in Finding Nemo. And those three words are simply just keep swimming. Yeah, yeah. When you find yourself somewhere between where you were and where you believe you ought to be. Uh, when you find yourself somewhere in the middle, sometimes the temptation is just to stop. Imagine being Marlon, Nemo's dad. I don't know if you've ever experienced the horror of not knowing where your child was. In a crowded space, in a crowded event, maybe it was Six Flags or at the mall, and all of a sudden, you're looking around and you can't find your baby. Consider the terror that instantly grips you in that moment. But think about Marlon, Nemo's dad, who sees his son taken away by a scuba diver and he has no idea where to start to find his son. I'm talking about the vast expanse of the Great Barrier Reef. When nobody gives you directions or instructions, go north, go east, go west, or go south. I'm talking about being paralyzed by not knowing what to do now or what to do next. And in my moment of uncertainty, God spoke to my heart. And he says, Ray, just keep swimming. Mm. Mm. Uh, We're going to go deeper into this thing. But here's why. Here's why we're even going this route with the God on film series. Uh, Jesus used culturally relevant metaphors, uh, uh, analogies, references to uh, to communicate deeply profound spiritual truths. Jesus didn't just tell them about this abstract kingdom that they couldn't see. He made it concrete by using culturally relevant analogies and metaphors that he called parables. He used things that people could understand to communicate things that they couldn't otherwise understand. He used language that made sense to them. And notice what the scripture says about Jesus' earthly ministry as a teacher. Matthew chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 record these words. It says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. But notice what it says next. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Jesus recognized that he had to simplify the mystery of the kingdom and speak to them in language they could understand. So when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, he's speaking to people who understood what it meant to plant, care for, and nurture an olive tree and an olive garden. Notice what it says in verse 35. It gives us the why. 
It says, and without a parable, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth. So prophetically, the prophets are telling us this is how the Messiah, the anointed one, Yeshua HaMashiach would teach the kingdom. He would open his mouth only in parables, and it says, I will utter things kept secret from the foundations of the world. And that's what Jesus was doing with his teaching ministry. He was uttering secrets that were kept, uh, uh, uttering mysteries that were kept secret from the foundation of the world, and he used parables to help them see. Are y'all with me? Uh, That is the premise, the foundation for this series. Uh, when we say God on film, it's not just converged church trying to do something creative. We are following a teaching method that Jesus gives us in Scripture. Because the goal of everything we do is to be effective. Are you with me? I could get up here and preach a message and quote every Scripture in the Word of God, and you can walk away and scratch your head as if, now, what, what was that really all about? Our goal in everything that we communicate is to be effective. Are y'all with me? We want to be effective. Jesus was effective in his teaching ministry. In fact, Jesus had this testimony that he did all things well. And one of the things he did well was to use these culturally relevant metaphors and analogies to communicate these deeply profound spiritual truths. So uh, what does Finding Nemo have to do with any of that? Uh, Let me just uh, read this to you, and then I'll share a couple of things, and I'll be out your way. Come on, y'all know. <laughs> so so let, let's, let's, let's practice this real quick. Y'all ready? Okay. I'm going to say something, and your response is going to be, take your time, Pastor. Okay? No matter what come out my mouth right now, your response and your only response is, there you go. Y'all ready for this? Okay, here it is. Uh, Converge, um, I won't be before you long today. I believe I will. Thank you for your permission. Y'all ready for this? Okay. (laughs) Amen. So here it is. Uh, Finding Nemo is a 2003 American computer animated comedy and drama adventure film produced by Pixar Animation Studios, and it was released by Walt Disney Pictures. Now, Finding Nemo tells the story of an overprotective clownfish named Marlin, who, along with a regal blue tang named Dory, searches for his missing son, Nemo. Now, this is the plot of the story. Along the way, overprotective Marlin learns to take risks. And he comes to terms with the fact that Nemo must learn to take care of himself. Overprotective dad learns to take risks because he has to come to to terms with the fact that his son must grow up and learn to fend for himself. Somebody say, the life of faith. faith. Mm. All right. Now, you might ask yourself, 
Why was Marlon overprotective of Nemo? Remember, we've said this before here at Converge. Our lives go through four important phases. I like to call it the marinade of your life. The marinade of my life. And as you know, every marinade comes with its own unique ingredients. But no matter where you've been, no matter your experience in life, good, bad, indifferent, we all walk through life, navigate life with these four initial ingredients in our marinade. Y'all ready for this? We're going to talk a little bit about why Marlon is overprotective. And some of this might resonate with you. It might help you identify, why am I the way I am? Why do I have to be in control of everything? Why do I have to have the last say, the final word? Why does everything have to be according to my script? That is usually a trauma response of someone who feels that they have lost control and that ain't never going to happen to me again. Therefore, I will control everything in my sphere and in the process, we become overprotective because of our trauma. Marlon is overprotective for a reason, but we'll get to that here in a second. But what about you and me? This is where it starts. Four E's that we all have in our marinade, and it is inescapable. Number one, your environment. I'm talking the environment into which you were born, over which you had no say. You had no say into where you would be born, the family into which you would be born, the environment and the circumstances into which you would be born, and our environment that we didn't choose is probably the most critical stage of our development. Why? It's because your environment determines your exposure. Your environment dictates what you're exposed to, good or bad. Uh, I grew up in Liberia, West Africa. That was my environment. Uh, what I called normal in Liberia, Pastor Wendy, my wife who grew up in Ypsilanti, Michigan, calls abnormal. Very different environments, but both of our environments, whether it was Monrovia, Liberia, or Ypsilanti, Michigan, those environments helped shape us because it determined what we were exposed to. A loving and caring and nurturing family or the opposite. It taught you, listen to me, it taught you, it taught you what you have now normalized. And just because it's normal to you, doesn't mean it's normal to everybody else. Your environment determined your exposure, what you were exposed to. What you were exposed to determines your experiences, and your experiences will determine your expectation of yourself, of others, and of God. And most of us are living this life with expectations that originated in a traumatic environment that led to traumatic exposures, that led to traumatic experiences, and now we have unrealistic expectations. 
Are you understanding what I'm saying? And here's Marlon, who is overprotective of his son Nemo. And if you pick up the story, just with Marlon being a, a protective dad, you would think that, man, what's his problem? And most of us don't extend grace because we haven't heard their story. If you understood their story, if you understood my story, if you understood my environments and my exposure and my experiences, you would probably understand why I have the expectations that I do. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Marinade. My question is, if I were to ask you what is in the marinade of your life, what ingredients, what experience would fall under those four categories? Are you with me? Because everybody don't make potato salad the same. <laughs> Are y'all with me? You can't eat everybody cook, uh, uh, potato salad at the cookout. I believe I will. Are y'all with me? And most of us step into people's lives almost mid-sentence, halfway through the movie. All we have is one chapter of their life, one screenshot of their life, and we make judgments based on what we see now. but we don't understand they're then. So even though the story is called Finding Nemo, <laughs> I think there's some characters surrounding Nemo that are just as important as the central character himself. And it starts with Marlin. It starts with his father. Why is Marlin the way he is? Overprotective. For those of you who grew up as, what's the word? Helicopter kids? Latch key. Where'd I get helicopter? Loud and wrong. <laughs> helicopter parents produce latch key kids. That's what it is. Okay. Y'all know what I'm, y'all were picking, down, picking up what I was putting down. Let's talk about Marlon real quick. And, and, and as we unpack these characters, maybe you identify yourself in one of them. And no matter whether you're Marlon or Dory or Nemo, God's word to you this morning is just keep swimming. Woo! I feel the spirit of God on me right now. If I start crying, that's why. But I'm good. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Mm. So Marlon is the way he is because Marlon lives in the anemone in the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> but here it is, the backstory. His wife, Coral, and almost all of their eggs 
were killed at the beginning of, a move, of the movie in a barracuda attack. Only one damaged egg remains. And Marlin names that remaining egg broken and damaged Nemo. Consequently, uh, as a result of all of this, the trauma in his past, and you've heard me say it once, if you've heard me say it once, you've probably heard me say it a thousand times, but it bears repeating this morning though. Because we can allow the painful experiences in our lives to be our prison or our platform. Did y'all hear what I just said? There are two responses to life when life happens. You can become a prisoner to what happened, the painful experience, or you can make it your platform. Hmm. See, Pastor, what are we talking about? Organizations like Mothers Against Drug Driving, you know what that is? That's someone who took the pain and turned into a platform for good. Yet there are people who have had similar experiences who are still trapped in their pain. All right, listen to what I'm saying. Uh, America's most wanted. What's his name? Welsh? Walsh, John Walsh. Yeah. That's an example of someone who took their pain and instead of allowing it to be their prison, it became their platform. Because one of the greatest lies ever dealt to humanity is that time heals. Time does not heal. It's what you do with time that determines whether you heal or not. Because there are people who are just as bitter, uh, hold on, even more bitter 20 years later than they were when the offense happened. Time didn't magically make the pain go away. It's what you do with time that determines whether you heal or not. And it is not until you complete your grief that you will continue your growth. So many of us are victims of arrested development because we're still stuck in the place where the trauma happened. And now it impacts and influences everything I care about and everything you care about. Because now, listen to me, Marlon goes into, y'all ready for this? Self-preservation. Every decision that he makes for his life and his family is now driven and motivated by self-preservation. And how many of you realize that it is impossible to walk by faith and simultaneously be risk averse? That hit somebody. Yeah. I can't be afraid to take risks and walk by faith simultaneously because all of faith is divine risks. I'm talking to somebody now who stopped swimming. I'm talking to those of us in the room who stopped swimming. 
And that's why Thomas Aquinas, listen to me, Thomas Aquinas said it this way, uh, if the highest aim of a captain were to preserve his ship, he would keep it in port forever. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Most of us are building ships that never set sail because we're afraid that there might be a storm out there. But listen to me, the reason you built the ship is so that the ship could sail. Even though there might be a storm out there. And most of us have been, become comfortable with our ships that we have kept in port. Because of self-preservation. But you and I cannot walk by faith and simultaneously be risk-averse. Self-preservation. Self-preservation. Uh, 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 <laughs> There's so much I want to say. <laughs> Thank you, sir. There's this interesting, there's this interesting confession that Job makes when he's having this conversation with his friends that came down to visit him. The scripture says when, when, when Job's friends heard of his distress, they left where they were and they just came and they sat with him. And it says for seven days, no one said a word. Now when you read the book of Job, all the problems started when they opened their mouths. Sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is just sit in their pain with them and not try to explain to them why it happened, why it was their fault. Sometimes what people need in their pain, listen to me, is not an explanation. What they need is empathy. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But as Job is having this conversation with his friends, in Job chapter 3 and verse 25, it says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. That is the confession of a man who lives a life of self-preservation. When you read Job chapter 1, it talks about all the sacrifices Job made. It talks about all the bulls that he sacrificed to God. And the truth is, the reason he did that is betrayed in verse 25. Maybe if I sacrifice enough, maybe if I give enough, maybe if I do more, then the stuff that I fear ain't going to happen. He comes to the realization that even though I've done all of this for God, trouble still came knocking at my door. And most of us don't live life fully because of the secret fears we nurse in our hearts, like Marlon. You ain't going nowhere, son. You're staying right here in this house because I saw what happened to your mom. And I saw what happened to everyone who would have been one of your siblings, your brothers, and your sisters. And we live our lives in self-preservation mode. Because of what we believe we can control. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction so I can get through this message. Um, God wants us, here it is, 
God wants us, and again, when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about being reckless. I'm talking about being responsible, right? Not being reckless. You can walk by faith and be responsible. What God is saying when he says, just keep swimming, is listen, be wise, but don't live in fear. <laughs> uh, I was visiting a friend in another city, and I forget now, I went to park the, at a restaurant. I think I parked the car, and, uh, you know, we got out of the car, and uh, I forget what happened. I forgot my keys or something. Anyway, I locked the car. And he said, hey, man, you ain't got to lock the car. This is a good neighborhood. Don't you trust God? I said, hold up, man. I trust God. It's people I don't trust. You can be wise and not live in fear. Locking your car is wisdom, not fear. Know the difference. So, 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 okay, I'm going I'm to skip through this so I can get to the, the, what I wanted to get to here. Just keep swimming. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> if you're Marlin, again, I just want you to, to picture in your mind's eye the vast expanse of the ocean. Chuck, where do you even start? I mean, which direction do you start going? Yet Dory says to him, just keep swimming. Sometimes life can feel that way. Lord, I would swim if I just knew which way to go. Lord, I would continue to swim if I could just see the end. Don't we wish life was like NASCAR? Yeah, because on our screen, it'll tell you how many laps have elapsed and how many laps you got left. And sometimes life would be a lot easier if we knew, okay, this is lap five, I mean, 399, I got 111 to go. Sometimes it would be easier if we could see the end in mind. But consider Marlin not knowing which way to go. That's where most of us find ourselves, and the writer of Hebrews writes this letter to encourage the believers who are scattered abroad because of persecution. And when persecution happens, it'll cause you to question a whole lot of things. It'll cause questions to bombard your mind. And so the writer of Hebrews, and the reason I say the writer of Hebrews is because there's debate whether Paul wrote Hebrews or Apollos or another author. We don't know definitively who the author is, but the writer of Hebrews is writing to people who have been scattered abroad, persecuted because of their faith. It's a weird place to be when doing the right thing doesn't get the desired results. And that's where they find themselves. So the writer of Hebrews gives us this word of encouragement. Y'all ready? From Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. I'm going to read it in the New King James, and then I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Here it is. For God is not unjust to forget 
your work and your labor of love, which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I'm going to work with that here in a second. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Here's verse 12, that you do not become sluggish. That you do not become sluggish. How many of you realize that physical activity will wear you out? That over time, just keep swimming, gets old, even to a fish. Because we all get tired. We all get tired. Sometimes we get tired. We grow weary of doing the right thing. And so we stop. We stop doing what we know is right. We stop doing what we know is necessary. Because sometimes we're just tired. Yet the writer of Hebrews says, do not become sluggish. But he says, become imitators of those who through faith, come on somebody, and patience, inherit the promises. My wife and I both graduated from Raymond Bible Training uh, College in Tulsa. And uh, uh, it's a school that's charismatic in its theology, uh, word of faith in its theology. And most of what we learned in Bible college was all about having strong faith. The more I study scripture, what I recognize is faith does not exist in isolation. That's why he wrote in James, faith without works is dead being alone. In the text, we discover that faith needs friends. Faith needs friends. For the moments in your life when you become weary, and sluggish because just keep swimming is easier said than done and it's in those moments when every marlin needs a dory he says be imitators of those who through faith and patience not just faith through faith and patience. And as I'm curled up in the fetal position, because, uh, yeah, I didn't want to disturb Pastor Wendy. So I'm downstairs in the living room. God says, just keep swimming. And then it says, Ray, you inherit the promise, not through faith alone, but through faith and patience. We have defined patience here at Converge as simply this, learning to move at somebody else's pace. 
y'all missed that. Patience is learning to move at somebody else's pace. You know what that means? Just because you're ready and just because you want it now doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen now. And sometimes walking by faith is learning to move at God's pace, not mine. Not mine. That's why the scripture says the vision is for an appointed time. Though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come and it will not fail. It is for a predetermined appointed time. So just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. He says, imitate those who through faith and patience. Come on, Abraham. The father of faith. 25 years. Come on, Joseph. Had a dream at 17 that wasn't fulfilled until he was 30. Faith and patience. Come on, David. Anointed king at 16. Serve Saul, the man who was, you're going to succeed as king. The man you're serving is trying to kill you. And you spend the next 14 years on the run even though you know on the inside that God anointed you the next king. When your life looks absolutely nothing like what God promised, just keep swimming. And guess what he says? He said, imitate those people who through faith and patience inherited the promise. Not just by faith, but by faith and patience. So here it is. Here it is. I'm getting ready to close. Come on, I need that organ now. Come on, somebody. Come on, I need my organ. Man. Y'all don't know I could do a little something, something? Here it is. Let me read it from the NLT as we prepare to close. For God is not unjust. Whew. Let me give it to you. What to do while you wait? When the scripture says just keep swimming, It means what do you do while you're waiting, while you're wading in water. Let me tell you what to do. It's right here in the text. It says, for God is not unjust. (laughs) That should just fix any faith deficit that you and I had coming in this morning. Number one, what to do while I wait? Remember the character of God. Remember the character of God. That God is faithful. He cannot and will not fail. But not only is he faithful, the scripture says he is not unjust. That word unjust in the Greek means he is not one who deals fraudulently with others. He is not deceitful. Are y'all with me? That means if God made a promise, he is not going to deal deceitfully or fraudulently with you. So while you're waiting and the mind monsters are talking to you, you have to revert to the faithfulness of God, the justice of God, that he will not deal fraudulently or deceitfully with you. If he said it, he'll perform it. Just keep swimming. Number two. The second thing the writer of Hebrews talks about is not only the fact that God is not unjust, he also says he will not forget. 
And that word forget means that he will not neglect. It's defined as no longer caring for or given to oblivion, where you're no longer on someone's radar. Says that's not our God. He is not unjust, and he will not forget. Now, notice what he says. I'll read verse 10 again. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him. Listen to this. By caring for other believers as you still do. When I read that verse, that arrested my attention. Because remember, he's writing to people who are persecuted, people who are being mistreated. Yet he said, God won't be unjust or forget your labor of love as you continue to minister as you do. You know what that means? That in spite of their pain, in spite of everything they were going through, they didn't stop. I meet people all the time who come through the walls of Convert Church. Oh, yeah, yeah, Pastor. No, I just need a break. And then I say, well, what's going on? They talk about their past experiences. They talk about how now in this season of their lives, they've got nothing left, and so they've stopped doing what they used to do. No, notice what he says. He says, not only as you once loved the saints, but even as now you continue to love them. Can you find the fortitude to continue to love others and serve others and minister to others when you need love yourself? Yet this verse reminds us to keep on swimming. So many people have quit on God. Quit on God? Quit on God's people. The problem is you're making God pay for something that people did. God didn't do that to you. And, and, and so what, what, what people do, and, and you heard me and Pastor Wendy's, it's the ex-boyfriend syndrome. You make the new boyfriend pay for what the last guy did. The problem is you didn't deal with what the last guy did, and now you're dumping it all on the new guy. And you have become sluggish, and you have lost your first love. You have stopped doing the things you used to do. Yet, yet the writer of Hebrews said, God is not unjust to forget your labor of love, what you did, but what you continue to do. Let me just help you. You are only as strong as what makes you stop. Let me help y'all out. Y'all know this. Growing up, they taught us, there's two words that can get you anything you want. Anybody remember? Come on, somebody. Please. And thank you. Can I help you with a third word or a third phrase? That right now, in the culture that we live in, that will get you anything you want guaranteed. Y'all ready? Not just please, 
not just thank you. You want to know the third phrase? I will get you anything you want. Here it is. I'm offended. No, I'm going to help you all out this morning. Let me tell you, it is the automatic default response of our culture and our world. If you say something and somebody says, I'm offended, you know what? Oh, I'm going to back off you because I don't want you to cancel me. Because I'm afraid if I tell you the truth, you're going to cancel me and you're going to quit and you're going to stop swimming. But the only person you hurt when you stop swimming in the middle of your faith experience is you. Listen to me, baby. Life goes on with or without you. Ask Moses, who led the Israelites for 40 years, put up with all that foolishness and mayhem and didn't get into the promised land. God chose Joshua. No, no, no. The show will go on with or without you. You don't want to live your life being like Moses, going all the way to Kadesh Barnea, the border of the promised land, and not stepping in because you were offended. That's what made you stop? Really? That's all the enemy needs to do to make you stop? And Paul is writing to people who didn't have a past labor of love, but continued to love in spite of their persecution. All right. Somebody say, just keep swimming. Second thing he says, while you wait, be diligent. Be diligent. I'm going to go fast. The word diligent simply means to make haste, to move forward. It means to lean in. Earnestness in accomplishing or striving after something. And you know long before you stop when you've lost momentum, when you stop even trying. When you stop even pressing in, you know on the inside that your faith is starting to wane. And this is what he says. He says, our great desire, this is verse 11, our great desire, our great desire is that you will keep on, here it is, that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Notice verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example. You will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises, not just because of their faith, but also because of their endurance. Yeesh. Okay. Here it is. I'm going to close. Be diligent, number three. Number three, I referenced this before, but faith needs friends. Because we do become tired and we do become sluggish, how do we persevere and how do we endure? Let me just say this. I'm going to challenge you to begin to evaluate your circle. I know we got different kinds of friends in our lives, friends that sharpen us in our business, that sharpen us in our leadership, you need some people in your life who are going to challenge you in your faith walk. People who are going to challenge you and encourage you spiritually. Not just people you go hang out with socially. That's good. We need that. But stop and think about your circle. Do you have a dory in your life that will say to you, not just say to you, just keep swimming, 
but will commit to the journey with you. Oh, Nemo ain't Dory's son, but she's walking this thing out or swimming this thing out every step of the way with Marlon as if Nemo were her own. You have to evaluate your circle. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, probably what could be holding you back, slowing you down, is having the wrong people in your circle. And you've heard us say it here before at Converge. Sometimes your circle has to decrease in size in order to increase in value. You need more Dories in your life. And the reason sometimes your circle needs to decrease in size so that it can increase in value is because not everybody in your circle, Brooks, is in your corner. I hope y'all listen to what I'm saying. Some of you would have still been swimming if it wasn't for the wrong alignments and associations in your life. Jim Collins famously said in his book, Good to Great, sometimes it's not even about being on the right bus. Sometimes you got to make sure you're on the right bus with the right people. Because you can be on the right bus with the wrong people. And by the time you get to your destination, the wrong people have so messed up your head that you ain't ready for your next stop. It's not just about being on the right bus. Some people are on the right bus, but with the wrong people. And they have become sluggish. They have talked you out of what God was talking you into. So what to do while I wait? I have to be diligent. Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 21 says that Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did four things. He considered not. Can I ask you this morning, what are you considering? What are you giving your attention to? Because your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. So if you consider it, the Bible says that Abraham was 99 years old, but he didn't even consider the fact that his body was dead. That's faith. When you look at your present circumstances and don't even entertain it because you choose the promise of God. The scripture says he considered not, therefore he wavered not. The reason many of us waver is because we're considering our circumstances and then we're looking here at the promise. And then we consider the circumstances and then we look at the promise and we begin to waver between two opinions. And the scripture says, because Abraham didn't consider his circumstances, he didn't waver. Third thing Abraham did in Romans 4, 19 through 21, he started to give glory to God. And the scripture says, as he began to give glory to God, he was strengthened in his faith. He shouted before the walls came down. Most people are waiting for the walls to come down to shout. Now imagine being Joshua, and you got two million people, and you're walking around the walls. In six days, in fact, they weren't supposed to say a word. Can you imagine a congregation of two million people? And you got them walking in circles and nothing changing until the seventh day? Just keep swimming. Fourth thing, he was fully persuaded that what God said he would do, he was also able to perform. So faith needs friends, last point guaranteed. Here it is. 
Verse 12 of Hebrews 6 says that we ought to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. When I'm tempted to stop swimming, I have to look ahead and imitate those who through faith and patience inherit. I can look at their example. So here it is. Faith needs friends. There's two kinds of friends you need, and I promise you, this is where I'm going to close. I noticed nobody said, take your time, Pastor. No, 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 I'm just... <laughs> You're like, no, we done, Pastor. Come on. <laughs> but here it is. Faith needs two kinds of friends to imitate. Are you ready? Number one, I need, my faith needs a role model. Those who have gone before me. We can follow the example of people in Scripture, but we can also follow the example of people in our lives, man who have taught us and shown us what it means to live and walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7 says it this way. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Who are the faith role models in your life? Whose life have you observed where you have seen their faith, and the outcome of their conduct. And you say, you know what? That's an example I can follow when I'm tired of swimming because I see the outcome of their faith. I see the outcome of their endurance and their patience. Number two, faith needs friends. Not only role models, but your faith needs a running mate. Not just those who have gone before you, but those who will walk beside you, like Dory. Scripture tells us the story of the man who was paralyzed. And in verse 3 it says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. So when they had, here it is, broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Sometimes, just keep swimming means I've got people around me who are going to spot me when I'm too tired, who are going to run with me. I have a friend who does super ultra marathons, 100 miles, Death Valley. And he has people at 25-mile intervals because every 25 miles he knows he's going to get tired. And those guys at 25 miles with fresh legs, with fresh lungs, start to run with him. And because of that, because he has running mates, he finds the strength to endure a hundred. Listen, I ain't talking about whatever, 26.3. I say 100-mile marathons in Death Valley with elevation. In fact, he's been to this church before, Dr. Uh, Trevin Fougier. Sometimes your faith needs somebody that will meet you at your 25-mile marker and 50 and 75. So here it is. The life of faith is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about endurance and not speed. It's not about how quickly you get there. It is about endurance. So just keep swimming. The fulfillment 
of the promise may not be immediate, but it is inevitable. Just keep swimming. The promise God made to you may have been delayed, but it will not be denied. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. And the reason that's important is because when Nemo started to swim, they found the goggles of the dentist who had taken Nemo. And because he didn't quit swimming, because he just continued to swim, he found his next clue for the next decision he needed to make. P. Sherman, 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney, Australia. And most of us never get to the address because we quit swimming. And God says if you'll just continue to swim, you'll get to the answer that will get you to the next clue, that will get you to the next clue. And before long, you'll be living and walking in the promise. Father, seal this word in our hearts. Yeah, for those who find themselves where Marlon was, overprotective, needing to control because of the trauma. Father, would you help us? Would you help us learn the power of letting go so that we can lay hold? Letting go of our past so that we can lay hold of you. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Ray, that word was for me. I just need God's help to get through this season. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you right now. I see that hand. I see, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Father. Let me pray for you now. Dear God, several days ago, you spoke this word of encouragement to me. I needed it. And then you said that your people would need this word today. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give your people the strength to just keep swimming. And sometimes that means walking by faith, not by sight. We may not be able to see it, but God, we won't stop. And along the way, because we don't stop and because we won't stop, you'll give us clues and answers and you'll give us friends to help us get to that next level. Father, we see it. It's just on the other side of our obedience. And I hear the Lord say, not much longer. Not much longer. Not much longer. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Not much longer. Not much longer. Not much longer. Thank you, Lord, for doing that now. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Did that help anybody this morning? Amen and Amen. As Andrea mentioned, next Sunday, next Sunday is Hometown Sunday. Listen, you don't want to miss next, miss a, we've got a great, we've got a great, listen, it's got a great treat for you next Sunday. Make sure you wear something that represents your hometown, your home state, uh, your nation of origin. We just love to have fun. And uh, you will get a gift card if you like really, really, 
really, really rep your city like Dawn did today, representing her favorite decade. Now, on your way out, make sure uh, you grab, we have some surprises. Can I tell you what's out there? So I can let the virtual uh, audience know. Anybody like candy? Listen, when you go out there, it's going to be like a walk down memory lane. You're going to see candy that you used to have in the 60s and 70s and 80s. It's a candy bar out there. And I don't know what y'all used to eat back in the day, uh, but we got a little bit of something, something, something. And it's a whole candy bar to celebrate Decade Sunday. Why don't you stand with us? Uh, On your way out, grab some candy, but also stop and take some pictures at our photo booth. We got some pretty cool signs. So make sure if you're with your friend, with your family, grab a sign, take some pictures, and tag We Are Converge, at We Are Converge, so we can see all the amazing pictures and all the fun that we're having right here at Converge. Here's the last thing. Make sure you invite somebody to church next week. Want to connect with your friends and family as we grow together. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep swimming. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's message was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some materials to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you would like more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch@weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give by texting 77977 and send Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano, and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.